I guess I already had it on and I turned it off. Sorry about that. Let me start again. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Glad to see each and every one of you. Glad to see that you are on the mend and on uh, the, the rebound from all of the illnesses that we've just recently had. As I was starting to say, kind of feel like Thanksgiving Day at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you know. You make all of this preparation for this meal, and then you bring your family together, and you have this meal, and then it's over with. It's done. Okay? It's been all this build-up for Ladies' Day, and now it's over with. It's, it's done. It's, it's history. We've been working on getting a minister here for this congregation for five or six months, and all this build-up, and all this build-up, and all this work that's gone into it, and now it's done. So it's kind of, everything's kind of anticlimactic. Early on in this process, we asked you to hang with us, and you've done that. We appreciate that. Uh, we went through quite a lot to get a person here. Hours and hours and hours of phone calls and interviews and checking references and doing all that kind of thing, and it just... It's a, it's a difficult process, and our man will be here in a couple of months, and Waterson Trail will hopefully move forward. At least we're praying that that's what happens. And we're counting on you to help us do that. John Nash was a genius. Now we hear that there's a, there's a fine line between being a genius and being insane. So all you geniuses out there, <laughs> you're just this far away from being insane. John was a great mathematician. He was a wizard at, at mathematics. And I can't explain what it was that he did, but it was in the area of economics in something called game theory, and I'm way out of my league when it comes to that particular thing. In his late, no, in his middle 20s, as a graduate student at Princeton University, one of the Ivy League schools, he and two other guys developed these theories, and I, I guess they proved them out. Years later, he was nominated for a Nobel Prize based upon this work. By his mid-twenties, he was teaching. He was a teaching professor at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And if you've got a sheepskin from MIT, you can go places in this world. All you got to do is hold it up and look and say, I've been to MIT. One day before he's, uh, he's still in his 20s, he's teaching at, uh, at, at Princeton. He's a professor. A lot of these kids that he's teaching are no more than five, six, seven years younger than he is. And he has a breakdown. Uh, he tells his class that he is on the front cover of Time magazine in the disguise of the Pope. He tells them that he is being 
communicated with by foreign governments through the media, primarily the newspaper, by picking up patterns in the newspaper and making words out of it, he has concluded that foreign governments are, are talking to him. No, it's not good. He turns down a post at the University of Chicago, which also has a prestigious business school, because he says he's about to be named the emperor of Antarctica. The man is schizophrenic. And it gave us the book and the movie, A Beautiful Mind. I'm sure many of you have, have seen it. Russell Crowe plays John Nash. In the movie, we get to see the characters that John hears in his head. The amazing thing that over time, John was able to learn the ability of discernment. In fact, when the representative from the, the Nobel group came and visited him on campus and asked him about being nominated for the, the Nobel Prize in economics. As a student walked by, he reached out and grabbed this unknowing student by the arm and said to him, do you see a man standing there? Yes. Can you hear his voice? Yes. Okay, I will talk to you now. He was so in tune with his problem that he could use things to discern the voices that he was hearing in his mind to make sure that they were indeed correct. I hear voices. You know, I've asked four or five of you this week as I was preparing this sermon if you heard voices. And you know what? The answer every time was yes. I hear voices. So I'm glad to know that I'm not alone in hearing voices. Chris Young, the country music singer, has a song called I Hear Voices or it's named Voices. And I'm not going to go through all of the lyrics, but his, his daddy tells him, you know, work the job you've got, but don't work your life away. And don't quit this team or you'll be a quitter all your life. His mama tells him, uh, put a little cash in the plate as it's passed on Sunday. I like the way she says that because she's automatically making the conclusion that he's going to be in church. And so just reinforces, put a little cash in the plate on Sunday. Say a prayer every time you lay down at night and your head hits the pillow. Grandpa tells him, well, son, you can have a few, meaning you can have a few drinks, but don't, what, cross that line. And then his grandma says, when you meet the right one, the one, boy, you better treat her right. And then his lyric is, I hear voices 
all the time. If you've been brought up with disciplinary parents who set boundaries for you, you will hear their voice. You may not hear the exact words that they have to say, but when a situation or an incident comes up, you will probably reflect upon your mom and dad. My mom can discipline me today, and she's been in the grave for two and a half, three years. Three years. And she still keeps me from doing things. The rascal. (laughs) And I'm sure if your mom's done the same thing for you, or your dad's done the same thing as far as that goes, You've got voices that you hear inside of your mind of people talking to you and and keeping you from doing things or suggesting things or keeping you. The idea, though, is that we all hear voices. We all hear voices. Two people get cancer. One hears the voice of Complaint and pain, travail, angst. How many ways can you describe it? The other hears the same news that they've got cancer and their voices of patience, hope, a a dedication to to do whatever it takes or requires to beat the cancer. Alex Trebek comes to mind. Pancreatic cancer. You may not know anything about pancreatic cancer, but I guarantee you one thing, you don't want pancreatic cancer. If you got to have cancer, you pick another one, a different kind. You don't want pancreatic cancer it's painful it's fast when they find it doc you're already gone right two people are saddled with low finances and and meager income and so forth and so on they each hear a different voice one hears a voice of charity and gratitude for what they've got. The other hears the voice of envy. Why me? Why don't I have more? Two people become the CEO of a corporation. One Thinks about the power and the self that being the CEO can bring about. I mean, think about the, the lawyer that was in the news this past week. He's been involved in several different high-profile cases. He's been before the cameras in all sorts of places, and yet now the charges are coming out of what he's done to his clients in skimming money from them to buy luxurious things. The other CEO thinks about 
the company that he runs within the community, the people that work for him or the, the corporation, and what can be done to enhance their life and lifestyles. Same circumstances, same situation, different voices. Two people live in a universe where God is present. One takes the attitude like David did in Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. The other says, I don't have any time for God. I don't have any inclination or desire to be around God. What's the difference? The difference is the voices that they are listening to in their mind. Same circumstances, same situations, different mindsets. So do we hear voices? I think we do. How we respond and act to those voices, obviously, there are several different ways to do that. Some voices that speak to us are good voices. Some voices that speak to us are not so good. Some speak truth and love, while others speak lies and destruction. And the voices that we listen to, they shape the outcome and the impact of our circumstances. John chapter 10 I've marked off verses 4 and 5, but I'm going to back up and read through verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, I guess maybe I've already said that, yeah. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus is using the analogy here of sheep and a shepherd. And we think about sheep being followers, and we think about sheep being not so bright animals. But look at this. A stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The sheep know the shepherd's voice and they follow him. Those that practice listening to God, those that say God is impactful in their life, they insist upon hearing God's voice that they can hear his voice. Now we've been talking now for seven weeks about improving our relationship with God in a series called God With Us. We've, we've talked about God's exposure to us, how close He is, how much He's in the universe, His characteristics and so forth. Remember how close He is in, in the Sistine Chapel drawing where the, the Michelangelo shows that, you know, just a finger touch away. 
Today we talk about where is the most likely place in which we are going to enjoin, entwine, get together with a relationship with God. And the most prevalent place that's going to happen is in our mind. Now I'm not talking about an imagination. There's a difference between imagining things like John Nash did from a schizophrenic standpoint and realizing that God works on and works through and impacts us by putting things into our mind. The most likely place in which we will enjoy a relationship with God will be in our minds. It is the battlefield on which we battle for good and evil, for control of our heart, our soul, and our mind. What we need is the type of mind that allows God to come in and enjoy a relationship with us. I'll say it again. What we need is the type of of mind that will allow God to come in and have a relationship with us. How do I then make my mind the kind of place in which God will dwell? Well, first, it must be a two-way communication. The, the, the best illustration I can come up with is the, the communication between a husband and a wife. Now, Nita's over in the one chair and I'm in the other chair. She could be watching TV while simultaneously playing on her iPad. I could be playing on my phone, also watching at TV, or I could be playing on my computer, or I could be doing several different things. Now, we are in the same room together. We're not really, we're not really communicating. She's off doing, over there doing her thing, and I'm over here doing my thing, and we're together we're in the same proximity. We're close. You might even say we're this close, but we ain't talking to each other. Or we can get in the car and we can drive 500 miles and we're, okay, we're not this close in the car, but we're maybe this close in the car, okay? And if the radio's not on, Sirius FM, listening to something, there may not be much conversation going on in the car. Sometimes there is. Maybe we've got something to talk about. But for the most part, we can ride along, I can ride along a long time in, in silence. Now, don't tell me I'm the only man that can ride along in silence. We get into our own little lane and our own little cubicle, and we think about all the things that we need to think about. It's really our meditation time. 
And so if Nita says something when she's in the chair or she says something when she's in the other seat, I have to be able to receive it. Now, this is not an answer. Hmm. It is, but it's not an answer. God wants us to do something more than just <clears throat> grunt that He's talking to us. And so many things can distract us, you know. It doesn't have to be, it can be a football game. She can be sleeping in the chair. You can be in a hospital room and the person be in a coma. You can be together in proximity, but you're not communicating with each other. And that's the same way it is with God and humans. God says, I'm this close, but unless you've got a mind willing to receive Him and hear His voice, the most you're going to give Him back probably is what? A grunt. <clears throat> I heard you. Being with someone requires interactive awareness. I heard you. I'm being influenced by you. What you said is in my mind, and eventually I will give you a response. We are finite beings. We must communicate with each other to be clearly understood with each other and to get our message across. And husbands and wives are terrible about this. Reading, trying to read each other's mind, anticipate what the answer is going to be to the question. Or making the presumption that everything Nita was thinking about, she had communicated when she tells me, go get that in the pantry. Well... I'm not sure what that is, but okay, we'll, we'll go over there, okay? So we've got to have good, clear communications with husbands and wives. We've got to have good, clear communications to allow God to talk to us. So we can't know each other's thoughts. We cannot read each other's minds. We get good at it sometimes. No one would know my mind better than my wife. So a lot of times she can complete what I'm thinking and what I'm thinking about. She can read my reaction. She can re read my eyebrow or my grunts or whatever and know what it is I'm trying to communicate. Now God, on the other hand, doesn't have to have direct communication. God's finite. Uh, he's infinite. We are finite. He can be anywhere, everywhere, all at the same time. I don't understand all of the mystery of how he does certain things. When I pass a normal turn on our way home, because I've planned to do something else that I've not communicated to Nita, she opens her mouth and asks the question, where are we going? Because I want to make sure that you weren't in la-la land and missed your turn back there. And there's also some other reasons for it as well. 
It could be that she was anticipating getting home uh, in the two or three minutes we are away from home, and now I'm going another way, and she's got to know what's going to happen to me. Do I have a bathroom there? Can I get out of the car? Okay. All of the things that are important to her in, in her life that she all of a sudden become unknown to her. So it's just, it's just a matter of, okay, I'm going to go here. Or can we, I've learned to say, do you have, the, do you have the, the strength or do you feel like being able to go one more stop, do one more thing before we go home, rather than just automatically assume that it's okay because oh, we're passing it and I want to do it, so we're going we're gonna to do that kind of thing. I haven't got it down yet, okay, huh? But I'm trying to be more cooperative. Several things come into play here. God is infinite and can use several different ways to speak to us. The best one of those is open up that book that he's left for us and read it. Okay? You say, huh? Done that. I've done it ten times. I guarantee you that you can continue to read the same scripture, the same section of the Bible, and you will get different views ten different times based upon what's going on in your life at that particular time. I know you've read something and said, I never read that that way before. Or, because of the circumstances, you, because of the way your mind was ready to receive the scripture, now it means something different to you. So it's, it's, while it's finite words, it's infinite in its impact. When you, and it's always so great when you read something and it's so important to your life that's going on right now. It's like God stuck his finger and pulled over to the book and look at that verse. And you read it and then it has an impactful meaning in your life. Sometimes God uses people to say things to you, to put things in your mind that causes you to reflect on them. And maybe the person that's saying it, they don't really under, have the impact. But what they say to you is so powerful because of the, circum- because of the condition of your mind at that particular time. That's why you go to people that you have good confidence in that are friends of yours that will tell you straight when you ask them something and they will give you a view that perhaps you hadn't thought of before or they'll give you a contrarian view, make you think, okay? So God can speak to us through His Word, through Scripture, through friends, and yes, through direct access. What? Yeah. There's nothing that God can't do, right? And He can, if He chooses or wants to, put ideas into your mind. He can hack through all of that security that that you've put up to block things out of your mind. And you may not even know it. Did we put Hebrews in there, Brittany? 
Yeah, for the Word of God is living. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God can impact what I think and how I discern things and, and what I do with things. Now, I can ask God to speak to me. God, tell, tell me what to do. Help me. And God may choose to help you. He may choose to be silent. We never know, but we need the mind condition to where we can be receptive. Romans 8, did we put that in there as well? Yeah, Romans 8. For to set the mind. Now when you think of the word set, what do you think of? Well, set the temperature on the oven. What do you do when you set the temperature on the oven to 350 degrees? You get up and you go and you turn this dial and you move it around to where it says 350 degrees. Now it's set. What's your expectation? That that oven, when it's ready to cook, is going to be cooking at 350 degrees. Paul says, set your mind. Turn the dial on your mind for the mind, for the set, for set, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. If your mind's totally focused on the way the world views everything, the culture, the times, the situation, the circumstances, if you're thinking everything dog-eat-dog, get it for me, run over everybody else, take care of you, all of those kinds of things that the world thinks about, Paul says if you set your mind to that, that's just going to end up in a bad situation, death. But to set the mind, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Paul says, you've got to set your mind. You've got to take this beautiful thing that you call your mind, and you've got to set it on things that God wants you to set it on. Not the flesh, not the culture of the world, not the way everybody else views it, but the way God views it. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Derek read that this morning in our class. It says, for God, I don't know whether we put that in there. We may have stopped there. Yeah, that's for later on. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but has given us the idea of a power and love and self-control. King James Version says, a sound mind. God doesn't want us to be fearful in this life. 
Where do you turn and read where it says, and God worried? God can control it all. He does. Set our minds on things that are above. Why doesn't God just give us all the answers? That'd make it easy, right? Let's say we get a postcard every Monday in the mail. Here's all of your problems this week. And here's when they're going to happen. And here's the answers to them. Here's how you think about them. Here's how you respond to them, so forth and so on. How about the teacher? Why don't, why don't the teachers give you all of the questions and answers to the test two days before when you have the test? You're, Mandy, your kids ever ask you for the questions and the answers of the test? They know better. So they have tried, but they know. They why don't teachers do that? God wants us to see how we get through these issues, how we will respond, what we will think about, how we react. Remember we're talking about the same people have the same thing and one reacts this way and one reacts the other way. It depends on the voices that they listen to. God doesn't care as much about external situations. He doesn't care as much about things as we do. But he cares about the person inside the mind. Saying yes when God speaks as we're about to close. When God causes you to do things out of the norm and he's speaking to you, the important thing is that you say yes. Now, after speaking about sleep and sleep deprivation last week and Jenny reminding me that my, my sermon was go to sleep right now, I have to confess that I, I willingly stayed up too late on Thursday night. After, I mean, I can't even preach to myself and get any help. I stayed up too late. Nina's already in the bed. She's been in the bed for a long time, and it's, I'm not going to tell you what, well, it was late. Well past midnight. Normally, I would get up at 7.30 to come to work, take a shower, come into church here, and be available at, at 9 o'clock most mornings. I knew it was going to be a bad day already going in. I thought, man, I'm, I'm already cutting myself short. So I rotated my alarm before I finally laid down and went to, went to bed. I got a pretty good night's sleep. I woke up an hour and a half before the alarm. I'm going, why? I wanted to sleep longer, and God wanted me up earlier. Now, normally, you know what I would have done? I'd have gone back to sleep. I'd have hit the snooze alarm till Nita said, will you get up? But I didn't. I woke up clear of mind after only about five and a half hours sleep, wide awake. 
I thought, well, I got a lot to do today. I'll go come on into church. So I got up, I got everything ready to go, and I am leaving to come to work before I normally even get up during the rest of the week. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And so I'm sitting there in the office, and this red car comes zipping by. And it goes to the back of the parking lot. And so we've got this little bell system on the, the door now. When, the, when a car goes through, when somebody goes through, the, the bell dings. So I'm myself, I'm paying attention. You don't know, if you're here on, on a daily basis, you would not know how many people come inside this parking lot and turn around. It's got to be at least a dozen every, every day. So we're, we're sensitive in this day and time. So I was waiting for the car to come back, and then when it didn't come back, I'm thinking, what's this car doing? So I get up, and I look out the window, and I can't find the car. I'm going, where is this car? Who is it? What are they up to? I've got to go find out. So I go to the back door, and I look, and it's a car that's very familiar to me. Although I thought it was somebody else. I waved at them. They waved back at me. And out of the car comes Tony and Ruth. And Ruth is dressed in bright red and black pants. Tony's dressed in black pants and white shirt. And I'm going, what are they doing here? They come in. Now it's pouring down rain. Okay? This is not just, and there's nobody else in the parking lot. So I'm standing at the back door, and I open the back door, and I let them in, and Miss Ruth's coming in, and Tony's coming in, and so forth and so on. And they're commenting about the weather, so forth and so on. And I'm, it just, I'm going, to, okay, I was there. I was going to be there to let ladies in and to decorate their tables. I said, why are you here? Tony says, uh, this is ladies' day, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no. That's tomorrow. Oh, we've done it again. <laughs> the good Lord spoke to me about something that I had no knowledge of was going to happen on where I needed to be at that particular time. And here I am helping Tony and Ruth when they would have been here before sitting in the parking lot wondering, where's the rest of everybody else? And so when sometimes when God says, do something. Say yes. Get our mind, our beautiful mind, prepared and ready to receive the voice of God. What's God saying to you this morning? He wants your mind. He wants your mind focused on Him. He wants your mind with a priority for him. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't made him the priority in your life, if you are still got all sorts of things cluttered in your mind, today's the day. Clean the house. Sweep the mind. Rededicate, refocus your life. And set your beautiful mind on things that are set above rather than in this world. If you have a need or desire, why don't you come right now while we stand